Hey, veterans. Welcome to the VA Claims Insider Podcast. We are veterans helping veterans get the VA disability rating and compensation you deserve. I'm your host, Air Force Service Disabled Veteran Brian Reese, and each week we share VA disability claim tips, tricks, strategies, and lessons learned to help you win, service connect, and get rated at the appropriate level, even if you've already filed or been denied. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this week's episode. What's up, vets? Brian Reese here, the VA Claims Insider, coming at you live from Austin, Texas. And the first thing I want to say is, boom! <laughs> it's in my boom ball. Uh, my team at VA Claims Insider, who are awesome, by the way, some of them are probably on this call. Um, they're freaking awesome, and they know that I say, boom, all the time. All right, I say, boom, all the time, especially when we get a win, uh, in which we get a lot of wins for our clients, okay? So if you're not in our elite program already, Get your butt inside of Elite so that you can work with fellow service-disabled veterans who you know, like, and trust, who truly care about your VA disability claim. They care about you as a human being, perhaps more importantly, um, and we can get you the rating you deserve in less time, okay? So if you're stuck, if you're frustrated, if you're underrated, and you're sick of fighting this battle alone... Get your butt inside a VA Claims Insider Elite. Okay, one of my team members will post the link in the chat here. You can also just go to vaclaimsinsiderelite.com. All right, we're talking about PTSD claims today. PTSD is a high-value claim. Okay, high-value meaning it has a very, very high likelihood of getting rated at 30% or higher on its own. Okay, all mental health claims are high value claims. Okay, now we made up the definition of high value claims, okay? Um, but we call a high value claim anything that has a very high likelihood of getting rated at 30% or higher on its own, okay? Mental health claims fall in that category. Um, three types of mental health claims. There's PTSD combat, there's PTSD non-combat, okay? That includes things like military sexual assault and trauma, MST. And then there's all other mental health conditions, guys. There's 37 rateable mental health conditions under the law. Okay, now, we're talking specifically today about PTSD non-combat claims. Okay, what that means is anything that didn't involve direct fire, meaning you weren't in combat, okay? Most uh, veterans have a PTSD non-combat claim. Now, there's a lot of Iraq... Uh, veterans, OIF, OEF, Afghan veterans, Vietnam veterans, folks who truly were directly engaged in combat with the enemy. Um, but most of the time, we see PTSD non-combat claims, okay? Now, what is post-traumatic stress disorder? Okay, post-traumatic stress disorder, guys, is a very serious mental health condition, okay? And it is exactly what it says it is, post-traumatic stress. What that means, guys, is you've experienced some type of trauma. Normally, it's some kind of a traumatic event, like a car accident. You were raped or assaulted. Um, you were perhaps in a hurricane. You were in a scuba diving accident, a ship accident, a motor vehicle accident, something that caused 
or triggered you to fear for your life. Okay, life, health, safety. Normally, the standard definition, though, is in a post-traumatic stress disorder situation, did you or did you not fear for your life? Okay, that's very important, by the way, and we're going to come back to that concept. Okay, PTSD non-combat can be anything. A post-traumatic event affects different people in different uh, ways and reasons, and we don't always know why, right? Why does a Navy SEAL who deployed in combat nine times, shot people, and experienced all kinds of trauma, why does that person not experience, perhaps, a mental health condition versus somebody who was in a motor vehicle accident, okay? We don't know. The reality is, according to the medical research and the literature, we don't really know why some people are more susceptible to trauma and then things that become like post-traumatic stress disorder turns into a very serious mental health condition. And then there are triggers, things that cause your PTSD to flare up. Okay, I know for me, um, I have PTSD from combat in Afghanistan. Um, I'm able to hide it pretty well behind a laptop. Okay, now I'm being more vulnerable with it these days and I'm sharing more about my experience and about seeking mental health treatment, about taking medications and some of the things that have happened to me over time. Okay, and I encourage you guys to share those things as well. It helps to get it out uh, veteran to veteran here and in community at VA Claims Insider. Okay, so common triggers of PTSD, certain smells, sounds, loud noises, um, perhaps you anger easily, you're easily startled, um, you're having issues in relationships, alcohol, drug abuse, sexual problems, sleep issues, very common, insomnia. Um, a lot of vets with post-traumatic stress disorder have some or all of those symptoms. Um, and then typically things though like alcohol abuse, drugs, sex, gambling, those things, um, those are things you're doing to try to cope with your symptoms, okay? They're not the causes of your PTSD. They're things that you do to try to cope, okay? So that's a little bit about PTSD and what it is. But again, we're talking today specifically about non-combat stressors, okay? So important. Now, um, I wrote this down because I didn't wanna miss the details, but this was an actual situation we had of a Navy veteran, okay? And we've seen a string of non-combat denials for PTSD, guys, and in the VA's letter, okay, the VA is going to make their rating decision letter, it actually stated the veteran failed to corroborate that the veteran was actually present and witnessed the non-combat PTSD event. So important. It is not enough, guys, to simply state there was a traumatic event. Okay, if that was the case, you could claim anything as a traumatic event. Hey, I was watching the news and, you know, there's a hurricane coming in, whatever, uh, down in Texas, and I'm worried about that, so it's a traumatic event for me. That's not enough. You have to be a direct, firsthand witness. You were there, an observer of the non-combat event. The event alone is not enough. You have to have witnessed it or experienced it, okay? So crucial, we're gonna come back to that. Okay, so in this example, we had a Navy veteran uh, who had a medical diagnosis of post-traumatic stress disorder, 
and he was seeking treatment. Okay, he wrote a personal statement on the VA form uh, 21-4138, the statement in support of a claim, which is considered a lay statement under the law. All that means is after the fact evidence. Okay, he told his entire story of this stressful situation, event, how it causes PTSD, all of that. Um, he also had a newspaper article talking about this hurricane. Okay, this hurricane event that actually happened, very well documented. Um, you can find it by searching Google. Um, so he had that newspaper clipping, and he also had a buddy letter. Okay, he had another lay statement from a buddy who actually explained, yep, this hurricane event occurred, blah, blah, blah. So when you first look at this and think about it, you might go, okay, that should have been a slam dunk case for post-traumatic stress disorder non-combat. But hang on a second. The veteran's claim was denied, and he didn't even get a compensation and pension exam, a C&P exam. And you might kind of go, Wait a second, How, don't, doesn't the VA have a duty to assist? Why didn't the guy at least get an examination? He didn't meet the VA's criteria to corroborate. All that means is to confirm. Okay, that's what corroborate means. He failed to corroborate the in-service stressor event in that he was there. Okay, he, he confirmed the event. The hurricane event was confirmed by the newspaper clipping in the buddy letter. But what he failed to do was corroborate that he was actually there. Okay, now, for your PTSD non-combat claim, you must have at least one buddy statement from a first-hand witness who can confirm, aka corroborate, that you were physically present and that you witnessed the non-combat PTSD actually occur. Okay, in this example, it was, it was the, uh, the hurricane. But it could be anything. It could be a scuba diving accident, a ship accident, a motor vehicle accident, a rape, a sexual assault or harassment, which I'm going to talk about in a second because there are special situations there. Um, but just literally just about anything can be considered a traumatic event in a non-combat situation. Okay, so when your claim goes in, the VA has, again, their duty to assist, which means they're required by law to try to confirm that the event actually occurred and that you were present. Now, the tricky part about PTSD non-combat claims, a couple things. Most of the time, a veteran was not diagnosed with post-traumatic stress disorder while on active duty. Okay, that's a, a big point. It happened years later. And the second part of the problem is most of the time, there's very little to know supporting evidence okay there's no evidence well come on va let's get freaking real for a second if it's a military sexual trauma situation chances are you didn't report it all right fear of reprisal retribution you were afraid of your chain of command maybe it was somebody in your chain of command a boss who was actually the one who assaulted you or harassed you okay so there's barriers to the fact that these events never get reported. Okay, now the VA knows that, um, and there's some special consideration given to MST claims. Okay, PTSD non-combat related to MST, military sexual trauma, which includes assault and harassment. But when it comes to all other non-combat PTSD claims, if it wasn't MST, the burden of proof is on you as the veteran 
to prove on an at least as likely as not basis, okay, that you were there, you witnessed the stressful event occur, and that that is the cause of your post-traumatic stress disorder, that event, okay? The burden of proof is on you. Now, at least as likely as not is a very low burden of proof, okay? Just like baseball, when their tie goes to the runner, okay? If you're running to first base and your foot hits the bag at the exact time that the person on first base catches the ball, okay? You're safe, you're safe, tie goes to the runner. It's codified, guys, in federal law in 38 CFR that the secretary of the VA, okay, who, who implements these, uh, the law, uh, is responsible to give the benefit of the doubt to you as the veteran. Okay, benefit of the doubt doctrine is what it's actually called. But the benefit of the doubt means that, again, at least as likely as not, all things being considered it might have happened. It might not have happened. We don't know. 50% could be yes. 50% could be no. If that's the situation, the tie goes to you. Okay. Tie goes to the veteran and the VA must support that. That's what it means. Versus preponderance of the evidence, which is typically the legal standard um, in civil cases, is the more likely than not standard. Okay. That's a greater than 50% chance. Okay, so again, the burden of proof gets higher um, in a preponderance of the evidence case. That's not what you're fighting here, guys. You do not have to prove your PTSD non-combat event and stressors by a preponderance of the evidence. That's the more likely than not standard, okay? Then the highest standard, of course, is what you see in criminal cases, which is beyond a reasonable doubt, okay? Which we're not talking about here, but that burden of proof is ridiculously high, Right? If there's any doubt at all, they can't try the case, person normally gets off. Okay? So in, in the VA system, though, guys, this at least as likely as not concept, the benefit of the doubt is a very important one to understand, and the burden of proof is very low. Okay? Now, if you've been denied in the past, though, there's some things you can do to fight this, guys. Okay? So in general, though, the VA is going to include and consider two types of evidence when they're trying to confirm the PTSD non-combat stressor event, okay? They're trying to confirm with what's called primary evidence first. Now, I kind of laugh at this. I'm gonna read you some of these things real quick on what they consider primary evidence. And the reason why it's laughable, guys, is again, many of these non-combat situations never get reported. They don't get documented. So, of course, the VA is going to go to the JSRRC, right? The Joint Service Records Review Center, and they're going to try to confirm the PTSD non-combat stressor event. But most of the time, there's not going to be any corroborating evidence there. Okay, so what does the VA consider as primary evidence? Service personnel records, pay records, okay, got that. Military occupational things, um, hazard pay records, any performance reports that you had from the military, staff journals, muster rolls, after action reports. Again, all those things are interesting, but in our experience, they're unlikely to find things that are going to help corroborate that the PTSD non-combat stressor event occurred to you. Okay, it's very unlikely that they're going to find anything using primary evidence. But then they're required to review what's called secondary evidence. Okay, 
Secondary evidence are things that come from other sources, okay? Things like a buddy statement, okay? A firsthand witness who can shed some light on what they saw and experienced, what actually occurred, and that person can say, I was with Brian during the hurricane event. We were on the ship together. It was rocking around. Um, you know, somebody fell overboard and was killed, whatever the situation was. And I know that Brian was there. He was physically present, saw it, witnessed it. I'm positive that is the event that caused his post-traumatic stress disorder. He's been seeking treatment for years, even though he wasn't, you know, diagnosed in service. Okay, something like that. That's what a buddy statement does. But remember, guys, it's not enough for the buddy statement to confirm the event. A newspaper clipping can confirm the event. The buddy has to confirm you were there and that you witnessed the stressful event actually occur. Okay, that's what you got to have in your buddy statement. And if you don't have it or you can't produce it, chances are you're going to be denied. Okay, another source of secondary uh, evidence is something called contemporaneous letters or diaries, okay? Contemporaneous is a, a fancy, stupid term that simply means the approximate time frame, okay? So for example, when I was in Afghanistan in 2011, um, I kept a journal, okay? I wrote down different things that happened, stressful events, indirect fire, rockets, mortars, suicide bomber that hit our main gate, um, and I wasn't documenting this stuff for my VA claim. I was documenting it for myself to document the experience of what I was going through and what it felt like. But a lot of veterans maybe have documented their situation over time of what happened. Hey, I was, I was raped by, you know, three men in 1972 at an outpost, you know, whatever outside of Vietnam. Whatever the situation is, though, maybe you did document it somewhere, or maybe it's in a letter home, okay? I'm going to share this story really quickly. Uh, we had a veteran in our elite program who we finally helped get to 100%, all right? He's, he's one of my favorite stories ever, all right? He might be watching this right now, but no, his name's David, uh, but I, I won't share anything beyond that. Very serious situation happened, though. And um, he was denied for his PTSD non-combat event because, again, they couldn't confirm or document the stressor event. It was an unfortunate MST situation, military sexual assault trauma situation. And uh, he kept getting denied. All right? The VA would say, we've looked. We can't confirm the stressor event. We have nothing that confirms you were there. Your DD-214 doesn't show it. Blah, blah, blah. Okay? He fought it again. He got a DBQ and an excess letter, got denied again. Okay, fought it. Again, they denied that they basically stated that it was less likely than not that his post-traumatic stress disorder was due to the MST, right? Even though we know it was crap. The VA Raider kept saying less likely than not, um, and that came from a, a bad CNP examiner. Challenged that, uh, got a new CNP exam, redid it under the supplemental claim, had another DBQ, another Nexus letter, and this is the piece that put him over the top, okay? He had a letter that was written from that time period that literally explained 
in some detail what happened to him, right? He, he was very hesitant to share this stuff, but he explained some things. He also then had a buddy who confirmed on a sworn declaration, okay, a statement where you're swearing and declaring under penalty of perjury that the foregoing is true and correct, declared that he remembered getting a letter from this individual in the approximate time frame, okay, again, that's the contemporaneous back to 1972-ish, um, that confirmed he went through some kind of stressful traumatic event, right? I remember him writing about this. He explained he was having anxiety. He just wanted to come home. He didn't want to be there anymore, okay? That was enough to tip it in his favor to say, wait a minute, it's now no longer less likely, less than 50%, it's now at least as likely as not, which is 50-50, which again, tie goes to the runner, tie goes to the veteran. So it tipped the scales in his favor. He finally got service-connected for post-traumatic stress disorder at the level he deserved, got a 100% rating after being stuck at 40% for years, okay? Um, totally life-changing, totally validated and vindicated. I'm, I'm so proud of this man. Uh, he just never quit. He fought. Okay, guys, and that's an important piece today is I, I'm convinced the VA is waiting for you to either quit or die. Okay, you can't quit. You have to fight back. You have to punch back and never stop. Guys, we've got so many veterans who've been denied two, three, five times who keep fighting, they keep fighting, they keep fighting, and eventually they win. They win, okay, because they do it right. They come inside a VA Claims Insider Elite, uh, which, by the way, is our full-service medical consulting program if you need some help. If you're stuck, frustrated, and underrated, join us, okay? It's free to get started. You can go to vaclaimsinsiderelite.com. Uh, hopefully, one of my team members here can put the link in the chat box, at VAClaimsInsiderElite.com. Again, it's a three-step intake, and uh, we'll get to work together. We'll help you guys out. We'll give you some higher-level strategy. You'll connect to our doctors for DBQs and Nexus letters. We'll document your symptoms. We'll help with CNP exam coaching and prep. That's what puts you over the top, guys. It's not just about filing a disability claim. It's about preparing your case to help you win your VA disability claim so you can get the rating and compensation you deserve and you've got all the medical evidence that you need. That's what it's about. Claims get denied because there's not enough medical evidence or they can't confirm the nexus, which in the PTSD non-combat case is typically what happens. They can't confirm the stressor event, so they deny service connection, okay? Thanks, Big T. I got my man Terrell Miral on. Uh, he's my brother from another mother here in Austin. Thank you, man. You're awesome. Love you. Um, okay, so secondary evidence. Newspaper clippings is another one. But again, it's not just enough to have a newspaper clipping that confirms the event. You have to confirm that the event happened to you and you were there. Uh, another example we had is a PTSD non-combat motor vehicle accident that happened to this gal in 1985. Okay, now, the blessing here, there, were, there was nobody who could confirm it. It wasn't in the medical record. She didn't get a diagnosis until years after leaving the service uh, from this motor vehicle accident. 
Um, there was the newspaper clipping that talked about this car accident in 1985, and it listed her by name, okay? Now, it wasn't her name now. It was her maiden name, and I can't remember if it listed the full details or if it just had a partial that involved a woman who was serving in the military, something to those effects. But circled, highlighted, veteran's own lay statement testimony. The husband wrote a buddy letter explaining what had happened, which again was enough to not only confirm the PTSD non-combat stressor, but to confirm that it happened to this person. She was the one involved in the car accident. Okay, that's what the letter helps you do. Um, The only time, by the way, in PTSD non-combat claims where the veteran's lay statement alone, meaning your statement in support of a claim alone without a corroborating witness, the only time the VA is supposed to accept that is if you were diagnosed with PTSD while on active duty, okay? Well, think about it. How many veterans are actually diagnosed with PTSD on active duty? Not very many. Why? Because we're not honest about it. We're not going to go talk to the chain of command. We're not going to go to mental health. Heaven forbid you get kicked out of the military. You're ruled non-deployable. I mean, let's get freaking real here for a second. All right. And this is a message, by the way, that I bring and I'm sharing not just with the VA, not just with you, but with active duty folks is to go to the doctor to be vulnerable and share this stuff going on. Um, you'll thank me later, okay? And the reality, guys, is very rarely are there actually going to be negative repercussions against you, especially in today's era where, you know, mental health is much more understood today than it was 5, 10, 15, 20 years ago. But it's still not something veterans like to talk about, all right? We don't like to be vulnerable. We don't like to share that we're having issues, all right? But I'm encouraging you right now, hearing my voice, get to the doctor. Pick up the phone. As soon as we're done here, guys, pick up the phone, call the VA mental health closest to you, get an appointment and go talk to somebody. All right. As your fellow service disabled vet, do it. Go do it. Okay. Um, Let's see. So we've talked about some of that possible PTSD non-combat stressor events, a plane crash, a severe weather incident like a hurricane, a motor vehicle accident, witnessing the death or assault of another person. Again, you were there, okay? Um, Actual threat of things that happen, like a a military sexual assault, trauma, rape situation. Okay, those are things um, that you can think about. But again, guys, this comes back to, can you corroborate not just the in-service stressor event, but that you were actually there, you witnessed it, you saw it, and it occurred to you? If you can't prove that with at least a buddy statement um, on an at least as likely as not basis, okay, chances are your PTSD non-combat claim is going to get denied. It's maybe already been denied. Um, and you might not even get a CNP exam because the VA Raider, the VSR and the RVSR at the VA, they don't have to schedule a compensation and pension exam with a psychologist or a psychiatrist if they can't corroborate the stressor event, okay? The reason being, guys, is because it's very unlikely that a doctor is going to be able to corroborate the stressor event. Of course, they can confirm or make the diagnosis of post-traumatic stress disorder. That's what 
they're trained and credentialed to do. They can document your symptoms of your PTSD and how it's affecting your life and behavioral changes over time. But it's going to be very difficult for them to be able to clearly corroborate the link to that event. Okay, They can document their opinion, but it's going to be hard for them to corroborate. That is why, guys, a secondary source of evidence, a buddy statement from a firsthand witness, a wife, somebody you served with, spouse, neighbor, friend, anybody who can shed some light on, yep, this event happened and it occurred to Brian. It occurred to Terry, to Terrell, to Mindy, whatever. Okay, that's very, very, very important, guys. Okay? All right, I'm going to take a few questions here. Again, we've talked about some PTSD non-combat stuff today. Uh, I'm going to throw scroll through my phone here. Sorry about my finger getting in the way. Um, thank you, Terrell, for answering all these questions. What's up, Bob? What's up, Rick? Hey, Scott. Good to see you, brother. What's up, Eric? Uh, hey, James. What's up, Jessica, Eddie? Uh, hey, Brian. This is from Nam. What's up? Hey, Brian. What does the VBA look for to make non-combat PTSD go from 70 to 100% with PNT? Okay. Uh, Terrell answered this. Thanks, brother. But I'm going to answer it for everybody here who might not be able to see the comment later. We get asked this a lot. How do I get to PNT, permanent and total? Okay. And how do I make the jump or the leap in my increase of my, my mental health condition? A couple things quick. You don't apply for PNT. Okay. Permanent and total designation normally happens uh, a number of factors. The biggest one is age. All right. How old are you? Um, another big one is the likelihood that your condition will improve. Okay. Now, mental health claims, there's a possibility that your mental health condition can improve over time. I mean, that's the goal. Therapy, treatment, whatever. So, it's unlikely that you're going to get a PNT designation if you're below 100%, if you're a younger individual, um, or the time frame that you've been rated at a certain level. Okay, so again, you don't apply for PNT. It'll happen typically over time, um, and a lot of vets ask that question though. Uh, but how do you go from 70% to 100% for your mental health rating? You have to prove that your symptoms are worse. That's it. You're already, you already have a diagnosis, okay? You already are connected. You already have the service connection piece. So now it's about your symptoms because the severity of your symptoms is ultimately what ties to the rating criteria under the law. So if you're at 70% right now for mental health and it states, I mean, right in there, right? You could look at your CNP examiner's notes uh, as well. They probably check the block under occupational and social impairment that states occupational and social impairment with deficiencies in most areas, work, life, and social functioning versus the 100% level is total occupational and social impairment. Okay, delusional thoughts, hallucinations, can't hold a job, right? I mean, the the symptoms at the 100% level, guys, are are pretty severe, okay? Um, If you think, though, that at 70% for mental health, you're underrated and you deserve the 100%. You need an independent psych eval. Get your butt inside of our elite program if you're not already. We'll set you up with a U.S. board certified psychologist. They will make or confirm the diagnosis um, and document, again, the symptoms. How are your symptoms worse if they truly are? 
Um, with a DBQ, by the way, for PTSD review, it's likely that you could get rated with no CNP exam. Okay, uh, we see it happen a lot. Is the DBQ can stand on its own for PTSD review, meaning you're already rated and service connected for PTSD at zero, ten, thirty, fifty, seventy, and you deserve a higher rating. Okay, but without a DBQ, you're virtually dead in the water. When you file for that without a DBQ, you're going to get a CNP exam. And if your medical evidence doesn't prove clearly that your symptoms are worse, they're either just going to continue at the level you're at or they're going to deny you. Okay, so get your butt inside of Elite. VA claims, insiderelite.com. And by the way, guys, $7,000 worth of bonuses. Talk about scholarships, how you get $5,000 a year for your dependents. If you're a service-disabled veteran at 10% or higher, you get all of our quick hit videos, our templates, our cheat sheets, access to the mastermind group, okay? You get all that when you join VA Claims Insider Elite. We have a 91% success rate, meaning 91 out of 100 veterans who come inside of our premier medical consulting program get an increase in their current VA disability rating. 91 out of 100, I'm pretty proud of that. Um, and the average increase is 30%, meaning if you were at 20, you ended up at 50. If you were at 50, um, you ended up at 80, okay? If you were at 70, you ended up at 100. Now, again, these are averages because some veterans don't have any rating at all. Some went from 90 to 100 um, who make that leap all the time. A lot of vets come to us who are at 60, 70, 80, 90, and they believe they deserve the 100%. A lot of veterans we serve end up at 100% after working with us inside of our elite program. Okay, guys? VA claims, insiderelite.com. All right, guys? Thanks, Big T, for sharing. Hey, Eric, you're welcome. Hey, Bob. What's up, Mark? Good to see you, man. Jessica, claim was approved. Awesome. Congratulations. Yep, go check e-benefits. Absolutely. Um, let's see, what does the doctor need to show that the condition is permanent? Um, that's another one we get asked often. Um, I would ask your own doctor if they're willing to write a letter on your behalf that something is permanent, meaning it's not going to get better. Um, things that I would consider probably would be permanent. Again, I'm not a doctor, but if you have some kind of a disease or condition, right, that's not curable, it's unlikely, though, that a doctor is going to write a permanent and total letter for you uh, related to your mental health. Again, why? Because your condition could improve, okay? Um, blah, blah, blah. Jennifer wrote, hello, they've rated me 30% for anxiety instead of PTSD. They put me on medicine that has helped me function in crowds. Should I worry about my percentage being lowered? Um, no. So... We get at, I get asked this a ton too, is veterans are worried that their rating's going to get lowered, okay? The only time the VA can lower your rating, especially for mental health, is if the medical evidence clearly shows your symptoms have improved, okay? Now, just because you're on a medication that helps you function better in crowds, that doesn't necessarily mean your overall condition has improved. What about your insomnia? your depression, your anxiety, your work, your stress levels, your OCD behaviors, your sexual dysfunction, right? There's a lot of factors, Jennifer, that go into that. Um, as far as rating you for anxiety versus PTSD, I've seen this happen often. 
you know, where veterans are like, why did I get rated for major depressive disorder when I've got PTSD? Why did they rate me for PTSD when I think I just have anxiety? All mental health conditions are rated on the exact same scale. Okay, so it really doesn't matter, number one, uh, as far as your rating goes. But the other part of it is they're probably only going to rate you for one mental health condition. So probably the VA rater looked at it and said, okay, we can confirm a diagnosis of generalized anxiety disorder, okay, or anxiety issues with depressed mood. Um, we can confirm that. We see the medical diagnosis. We're not quite sure about the PTSD. Maybe they couldn't corroborate the stressor event, so they chose to rate the anxiety. Okay, that's, that's what happened in your case. Um, is sleep apnea a thing for VA disability? Absolutely, Michael. Um, check out the, our YouTube channel, Brian Reese VA Claims Insider. You can just Google um, you know, Brian Reese VA Claims Insider YouTube. I just did a video actually called Sleep Apnea Secrets, um, which breaks it down in detail. Some pitfalls to avoid, what sleep apnea is, the type you might have, how you document it through a sleep study, um, confirmation to get the nexus confirmed to prove service connection, and then your symptoms, right, with a, a CPAP machine or some other type of breathing device. So go check that out. Michael says he's got PTSD. Sorry to hear that, man. A, a lot of veterans do. And, the, you know, the best advice I can give you is get help. Go get help. Pick up the phone and call the VA. If you haven't already, start treatment therapy. Talk to somebody about this stuff and get it documented. It's absolutely crucial to get it documented. Okay. EF wrote, are there any sworn statement examples for PTSD? Can someone put out a to-do list to help us gather the correct evidence? Absolutely. All right, I think you're in our elite program already, but I can post this on the mastermind on Facebook. Um, a sworn declaration, a sworn statement is the same, okay? It's the same as a statement in support of a claim with one major exception. You're declaring under penalty of perjury, okay? Which means you're willing to go to jail if what you said isn't true, okay? So it's, it's got a lot of legal teeth when you use a sworn statement, but the concept's the same, you document, you know, whether it's you writing it or a buddy, how do you know the veteran? Did you serve them? What did you witness? How did their behavior change? What's happened? I declare under penalty of perjury, the foregoing is true and correct. You sign your name, you date it, it's done. Okay, that's, it's pretty simple. Um, inside of our elite program and inside of the mastermind, I have the world's only buddy letter generator, okay? That actually share, you can share it with a buddy and say, hey, please complete this form at this website, and it tells them what to put in each section. That's for the statement in support of a claim, um, and for the PTSD, the 210781, statement in support of a claim for service connection for PTSD, uh, as well as the sworn declaration. Those are all there, okay? Yep, the, uh, does a sworn statement have to be notarized? No, it just has to be signed by you as the veteran, okay? All right, guys, any other questions here while I'm on live? Again, we love doing this. Um, a VA claims expert, a veteran claims expert, a member of my team, uh, jumps on, guys, every, uh, every Tuesday at noon central on our Facebook page to go live and answer your questions and talk about an important topic. Um, I go live every Wednesday at 11 a.m. central. Okay, so again, I'll post the link as well down inside of this description if you're watching this on YouTube. Um, and you can watch, click like, follow the Facebook page, 
and then you'll get notifications if you want to join live and ask us questions. Okay. Again, if you need some help with your VA disability claim, especially your PTSD and mental health claim, you need diagnosis, nexus, symptoms, which we can help you get by setting you up with one of our U.S. board certified psychologists who can document your symptoms, the diagnosis, and the nexus into the DBQ, the Disability Benefits Questionnaire for PTSD or for other mental health conditions, which is crucial to help you win Service Connect and get rated at the appropriate level, guys, for your mental health claim. Okay? Michael, you'd like to restart? Absolutely. Yeah. So we have veterans, by the way, who come into Elite who maybe they go from 20 to 50 on, in phase one, and then they go, you know what? There's some other stuff that I forgot about or some new things have developed. I want to claim obstructive sleep apnea secondary to my PTSD now, right? Or I want to add my hips or my back or my ankles. Absolutely. We see a lot of vets get a higher rating in round two, and we don't stop. We don't stop. We keep serving and supporting you as fellow veterans until you want to stop, okay? And sometimes we won't let you quit. We're going to be there for you as your guide. Uh, We're going to drag you over the finish line, sometimes kicking and screaming, okay? But that's what we do. That's what we believe in, guys, is that you're underrated, and I'm sick and tired of it, and it makes me sick that there's nobody out there helping. The VSOs suck. Let's be honest. They're overworked. They're underpaid. All they do is file your claim, okay? VSOs file losing claims for free. That's what they do, okay? The attorneys, I hate to say it, but with the new VA claims uh, appeals process, The attorneys are really important and relevant when it comes to claims to the board, to the BVA, right? You're going to make some kind of oral argument. Awesome. You might need an attorney. But other than that, guys, the attorneys are, in my opinion, screwing over veterans by charging 20, 30% of your back pay to file forms for you. Okay. And then guess what they do? They turn around and come to us or other medical doctors and say, hey, veteran, you need to get more medical evidence before you you can win your claim. Okay, and they're going to take a huge percentage of your back pay for that. That's BS. All right. That's wrong. That's wrong. So anyway, that's that's why we exist, guys. Full service medical consulting by fellow disabled veterans who are experts in the VA disability claims process, who truly care, who we can help you file your own VA disability claim online with winning evidence so you get the rating and compensation you deserve. All right, guys, and we do it together in community. You'll be welcomed into the VA Claims Insider Mastermind on Facebook. You'll get to ask us questions. You get access to all of our other information. Um, Join us, vaclaimsinsiderelite.com. It's a free three-step intake. All right, guys. All right, we'll talk to you soon. Brian Reese here, the VA Claims Insider, out from Austin, Texas. We'll talk to you guys inside of Elite. All right, have a good day.